Welcome back to the Skate Room Podcast, where we talk art and skate in the name of social change. All right. Our guest today is bringing us the California sunshine. Uh, <laughs> the 85 degree weather. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Coming in all the way from L.A., yeah. introducing the scholar of skateboarding. Our guest created the University of Southern California's first class on skateboarding, business, media, and culture. He holds a PhD researching the politics of race and identity within skateboarding, and he's known as a skateboarding diplomat for the U.S. Department of State. What else? Welcome, Dr. Neftali Williams. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> so, so good much. to see you. So yes, we'll go back to the beginning to begin with to give yeah. the viewers a little bit of a background over who you are. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure many of them will know, but for those who don't, where did you grow up? How did okay. you get into skateboarding? You yes, know? yeah, so, okay, so I always like to do the short version of this because okay. it gives everyone something to Google later on. But uh, I'm originally from Massachusetts and um, the skate scene that I grew up is in Boston and outside of Boston and sort of New England as a whole. And so anyone who's actually been or lived there knows that New England as a region is a sort of unified skate skate community, right? You've got some skaters in Vermont, some skaters that are in um, Massachusetts, some that are in Rhode Island. The weather's really bad. So you have very few brothers and sisters and it was throughout the region and that's how you sort of get everything together, right? So for me, when I got started, I got started, I guess the best way to say it is, nobody knew anything about skateboarding. It just, when we were about 15, 16 years old, first person got their board, then the next person got their board, and we were all going, whoa, what is this new thing that we don't know anything mm -hmm. about? And I think that that's actually what was magical is because nobody knew anything about it. There wasn't really anyone to be a coach or to say like, this is how you do skateboarding. Not like so, now. But, uh, oh, well, you would. <laughs> okay, that is true. We can talk about that. So I have, I have feelings. I have feelings in good ways and bad ways on that. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, I, but you're. It's right now. There are more, more um, sort of people ahead and and projecting their images yeah, yeah. skating on. But at that point, it was very, it was very organic, very free for all. And what kind of year was this? Oh, uh, those are the things I don't talk about. But okay, <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> just what you will. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just. Uh, but but what I yeah uh, yeah I, that's the, the yes yes. Okay. But okay, no no, I'm just joking. No, this is '90s skating. This okay, is '90s cool. skating. Um, but I think what was really important then that I didn't realize is that. So I lived in this apartment building, you know, 18 stories, and there was nothing that bonded the kids that lived in the building. Okay, so just to paint it is like. This building is great, 18-story building. You've got people from every background. We've got, at that time, we have like Thai kids, you know, just Asian kids are here, African-American kids are here. There's some white kids that are living in the building, Latinx kids, like none of us were together. And the reason for that is because none of the parents were together. Mm -hmm. So now I'm gonna nerd out a little bit to really kind of get to the basis of where my philosophy comes from. But there was no reason for us to be friends because our parents were telling us like, hey, what are you doing hanging out with that group? Or what are you hanging out, doing hanging out with this group? Like, we don't do that. We don't sort of don't cross those like racial and mm -hmm. ethnic lines, right? And so once we started skating, because nobody knew what to do and we were all excited about skateboarding as a whole, everyone was like, oh, I'm figuring out how to ollie. Oh, you're figuring out how to ollie? I'm gonna figure out how to ollie. Oh, we're gonna learn how to kickflip. So all of us were in this organic phase of learning. And of course, now we know that's like experiential learning and there's big phrases for that, but mm. we're just kids, right? Yeah. So what I saw then was that was what was bringing us all together. 
And of course, like I'm still a baby then, but I am noting that under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be talking to the same people. And most importantly, that our parents were not that psyched about us all hanging out. Now, in retrospect, of course, their parents and, you know, I'm not mad at anybody's mom or dad. It was just a different time, right? So for us, we had this sort of shared love of skateboarding culture. And then I also have to say one of the things that's been really important to me is or that I lucked out was just like this book here is the skate girls of, of Kabul, right? For, for Skatistan is I grew up skating with a good friend of mine, Ellen. So there was a woman who was in our crew. Yeah. So and important. that, yeah. And that's something that I didn't realize that everybody didn't have. Mm -hmm. So I always thought of like everyone, everyone is skating together. That's like, that's it. Like we're all, it's a multiracial, multigendered crew at that time. And so I don't know that just those are my formative years. Mm -hmm. And of course, as time goes on, that's when I sort of realized like what's special in skateboarding is that we were crossing these bridges, not only between ourselves, but historical bridges that our parents didn't even want to really participate. Now, there's more that I learned, of course, in our in my skate research, but I would say I always want to be fair to those parents at the time. They were coming from a different time period. Right. And so some of that, like keeping everyone separated was all also a thing of safety. It was both discrimination, but it was also safety going like, hey, you don't know those folks. You know, I don't know what to you know, I don't know how they live. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a similar it's a similar thing we see in projects which we uh, sponsor as well is that it's skateboarding that brings particularly in, for example, the Seven Hills project or the free movement skateboarding project that you have. And it, uh, same with Skatestan. In fact, mm -hmm. it's a really core aspect of all of the projects. But you see people from completely different backgrounds who due to the nature of the cities that they live in are being segregated or separated in a very clear way and then you have the parents who are collective uh, collecting around the sessions who begin mm -hmm. you know integrating with one another and speaking yeah. and you break down those barriers yeah so i saw that early i saw that early on and it kind of just always stayed with me and like super short version is just to go I was very young and I decided I wanted to do a skateboarding camp for kids mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, you know, skateboarding has been something cool for me and has done this. So so I did that. And so, so part of the people who were in that early class, so I'll just say that's like Ryan Gallant, Ryan Gallant, you know, yep. amazing pro skater. Also during that time, it's Charlie Wilkins, who's in Boston, is Jamal Williams. Um, you know, PJ was PJ was there or was there at camp, but he was around in those days, Jeremy Rogers. So that's sort of my like skate time period, Jamal and moving onward. So like, I so feel this is really still good. when you were young that you were, I, I mean, I was a little older, but that was, I was in 15. Were, I was a little older. I did my camp when I was camp when I was like still, I don't know, yeah. probably, I don't know, my twenties or something. So when did 20s. you realize that like most people didn't have that, uh, that, that environment where they had, uh, this more kind of diverse, uh, group of, uh, I mean, I, I knew it from, uh, you know, Jamal will tell you, and Jamal Williams will tell you this for, and actually anyone who's from New England will let you know that I love it, but segregation and the discrimination is sort of like, it's, it's, I, I want to say it like in, in the good terms, but it's, it's very much historical. Right, so you know what part of town to be in, you know what part of town not to be in. However, that isn't to say that like New England, and particularly Massachusetts, is not very progressive. We know that, right? I mean, Massachusetts is always on the forefront of being progressive. But I also know in the ways that it can be oppressive, it's very stark. Like you know exactly where you are, you know what mm -hmm. neighborhood is, you know what set of jobs and things you have. And that's kind of what made me move towards the West Coast in the first place, is knowing that there were still the opportunities out West 
and then you know that was where the skateboarding industry was so you know anyone who's from that era and, and and from that time period will tell you like hey that is that that's just how it was and so that's why all those pro skaters don't live at home anymore right we like go home yeah. like jamal Indeed. we go home but then we leave and like there was just more opportunities but i will say this what was wonderful is that it meant when you saw somebody who skated like you knew they were in because our weather is terrible the snow is on the ground it's awful time so it's <laughs> about so, a lot of stuff to yeah get they are, yeah know. so it, so it's and there's a no no joke there's a special love like when i see pj or jeremy or just anyone from that from that back east you know it you know what it takes to make it and to like do something with skateboarding and because you can still go home and people i mean you know people are like oh you're teaching what's you know you know what i mean it's just a, like like oh what you've got your phd you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's just it's just a different sort of rough and tumble bit but there's so many good people who hold it down like theory skate shop that's back home and they really still like they are also from that time period too of like yo we're in this together collectively um so that's just a that's just a, a quick frame of, of doing that which is why i like, don't like to start with that question because it gets so much stuff but okay. that's <laughs> which <have> that. <laughs> but uh but yeah that's that's just a little bit of the history yeah okay. cool nice so you went out west scoped out the industry a little bit like what did you find there what was so different ah, about okay aside from I'm the like, weather oh, no, part what was the... different between west coast and east coast yeah yeah i was like <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> let's get to the course no i'm just playing that's fine um okay so it's what i will say is is being on the West Coast, it is still the same today as it was then and as it will always be is the West Coast has a lot of progressive ideas and there's a lot of space for progression. And there's also more room for, I mean, as a matter of fact, we were just talking about this the other day. People go to the West Coast and lose the old identity that they had. They did it during when the West was one and they still do it now. Right. That's where all the dreams are, you know, too. Right. It's always that. And even as much as we may pick on it, like I love L.A. And you can be like, oh, L.A. is plastic or L.A. is fake. No, L.A. is dope. L.A. is just 100 percent dope. Now, there are some there are some parts of it that are that cannot be great. But that's generally just folks who aren't from the city trying to, like, take advantage of people. You know, L.A. lets you have your hopes and dreams in a way that you might not be able to get in other places in, in the U.S. That's not to diss anywhere else, because I've, you know, I've, yeah, yeah. I got love all over the place, especially like Florida, Tampa, Texas. Those are my other skate scenes too. But the West Coast has something special that allows you to be, or at least lets you attempt to be the person that you want to be. And you know, that's 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 why I still call it home. Mm -hmm. And then I go back and forth between the two. Yeah. So Tried to keep that short still too, but <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but then that's industry world, and and you know you're mm -hmm. very much an academic uh, in terms yeah. of skateboarding. So how do you maneuver from from this to that? And like, was this always your intention? Were you already on this on this path by then, or was it the progressivism of the West that kind of yeah, well that up? something you wanted to fix? Okay, <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> right because I know we have I know you have thoughts. No, yeah. <laughs> I I will say. Uh, Okay, so, so this will get into more philosophies that we can talk about later in the way that I think about academia and skateboarding in the first place. But it sort of comes down to, I guess, the thing that's, that's the most important is like marginalized folks will find power in the things that others don't. And so um, Ian Borden, who's you know amazing, which I know you have questions like who else to look up. Ian's work is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, he, he was on my my committee, 
uh, for a review for my dissertation. And he had said, like, Naftali, I hadn't thought about skateboarding as a place for people of color to really, like, gain, gain power. I hadn't thought about that before. And he said, like, what brought that line of questioning? I said, oh, Ian, I've been black this whole time. You know, <laughs> right? Like, like, that's the deal, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like that for all marginalized folks is there is always, like, trying to find the power in, in everyday objects, right? Mm -hmm. So that's without going, like, too nerdy. But like that is the history of people of color or marginalized groups in the US. So for most folks, it is just skateboarding and how they interpret skateboarding or how it lives in their life, right? And, and then, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But in my life, it was a very, very empowering tool where I got a chance to see myself reflected in skaters of color when, that, when I did see them in the magazines. Um, and those are things that I had to push back on stereotypes of who was or wasn't allowed to skate. Just like my friend Ellen, like, oh, there's no girls that skate, but like Ellen skates. So for me, always all, yeah, any woman yeah. who wants to skate can skate, right? So, and it's the same when I used to explain to, to people like, well, oh, there's no black skaters. That's for white kids, you know? And any skater of color from that time period will tell you, of course you hear that. But what you see is solidarity in those that are there before you. And so part of my job became going like, well, I want to make sure that I am adding to this fabric of skate culture. Mm -hmm. So to get to your question, I became a photographer and photographer and writer for skateboarding magazines. I did stuff for Transworld, Strength Skateboarding Magazine, like early, early days. And was really like always sort of had that framework. I looked up to, you know, I had every black skater and skaters of color on my wall when I was a kid. And so when I was allowed in the industry, when I like made my space, that was always on my mind. I became a photographer because I wanted to shoot the things that I wanted to see. And people go like, oh, skateboarding has got all these rough rules, has all these things, it's all these, you know, old, now old white men are like the, the place and playground of young white men. And sure, all of that is true. Where I get upset with the scholarship previously is that that is true if that's the only group that you look at, right? So if we really want to know what skateboarding is or can be, you have to look to the groups that are marginalized mm -hmm. and go like, how are they using skateboarding, mm -hmm. right? And so to, to what I usually put a bow on things is to just really go like, everyone always asks like right now, like why are there so many women? Why are there so many queer skaters? Like why is the LGBTQ space blowing up? Like what's happening? Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, well, I'm sure what's happening is everyone's going like, Oh, nobody owns this thing. Yeah, like that's what that's what's new and that's what's revolutionary, is that everyone is picking up on that. I just mm -hmm. saw Brianna King is just did her ad for um for uh, Mont Blanc mm -hmm. that oh, just wow. that just dropped this morning. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, that's just beautiful to see you know yeah, yeah, see yeah. this you know this young she's woman of color like she, yeah she's killing it with, with queer and women centric skate meetups. She's killing it as a skateboarder and like also changing the game on like who's allowed to be in skateboarding and so well there's an element because you bring in that is a, there's an element of it which is that skateboarding in the 90s or even yeah. prior to that and there's been waves of skateboarding which and it's commercial appeal yeah and like anything like the dick Hebdige subculture thing it's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. as soon as it becomes um commercializable and captured by people outside of it then the culture produces almost like a viral response or an yes. immune response yes. where it goes right we need to change now because it's it's now now we're in top man or yes. now we're you know yes <laughs> so yes. you're like you move maneuver yourself again and mm -hmm. and the people who are often benefiting from that investment uh don't see 
that things are developing and often even become exclusionary because they see it changing again. Yes, like, Hang on, yes. we're benefiting from this. We don't want it to change. This yes, is working yes. for us. But now you see this new wave happening and now all the brands go for it. Everyone yeah. wants to go for it. And I think it's an amazing thing to see, but it's a constant push and pull. Yes, between very much. culture and counterculture, which is a, it's a beautiful thing, but I don't think we're ever gonna solve that back yeah. and forward. And, and truthfully, I don't even know like, it's not even right. It's, I didn't even yeah. necessarily that we need to that we need to solve it. It's just it is what it is yeah. what happens. So so there's a um, there's there's a scholar Zoe Corin who I worked on with the the USC um, Tony Hawk Foundation slash skate park study when we put that together, um, and Stephanie Rellis who's at UNLV. And so we actually have been really going into some of the theories that I, I don't want to give too much away, but I'll just say that we're theories where we're looking at skateboarding culture as a living, breathing organism, mm -hmm. right? And when does an organism recognize itself or not recognize itself? Like when do we send, right? If we think about it, like when do we think things are invading, invading the body or when do we realize like, oh no, no, this is just antibodies. We're like working together. It's helpful. It's right, evolving. right. Yeah. We're the same thing. So we're still, we're, we're, we're working on that right now and thinking through like, like major ecosystems like you might live like let's just use the amazon um as an example you, you know you might live in this section of the amazon and someone else lives on the ground right you're still in the amazon mm -hmm. you just see life differently within mm -hmm. that space so i don't want to give too much away on that because that's going to be in what we publish and sometimes but the amazon but burns it. itself down so it can yeah regrow. yeah yeah like, exactly you know, also <laughs> you're right also yeah. true right these are natural occurrences and it's really sort of a question of like when do other people benefit? Mm -hmm. And so, so I, I, I will give it, there's always a question of going like, looking at the previous scholarship, which I pushed back a lot on in, in, in my PhD, which was just to go, hey, if we are centering the lives of young white males in the research, then you are gonna learn about the lives of young white males. So that mm -hmm. doesn't, to me, that doesn't necessarily prove anything. Yeah. It just shows like, well, this is, yeah, you're probably gonna get that. There's a level of privilege that they may have that other folks don't have that they're not aware of. And also we're in a new time now where with the murder of George Floyd, as when we first were talking, the murder of George Floyd in the Black Lives Matter movement, everybody is more aware right mm -hmm. now, right? Everybody knows like, oh, the, the, my taxi driver here was saying Naftali, like literally she said, like, does racism exist the way we, when we saw that guy, when we saw him murdered, we're like, that can't be for real. Like you right. can not like the police or have a fight with the police, but like that can't be real. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a cabbie who was like, this is like all of a sudden this was real life. And she's like, well, how, you know, how do you navigate that? Which is a much longer, different podcast for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that's, a, that's it's again, super you know, though, yeah. right. Like these are, when you recognize that people are living under this level of oppression, like all things can become emancipatory. Right. That's the deal. Like, mm -hmm. that's the bit of like the act of skateboarding and, and people who don't get where skateboarding can be. It's like, well, you're not framing this to as opposed to what? Right. Like, what is our life like without this? And, I, you know, I have some um, I have a lot of different uh, athletes are end up in my class as well because they're interested in action sports. Some of them are football or water polo or, you know, basketball. And so, you know, we had one of our first class, our, our second class was, um, was yesterday. And so we started getting in the dynamic of when did the fun go away? And so these are young players who are in college who want to go into the NFL, right? They want to they make money and do, 
do this. And so we were having a discussion between traditional sport and action sports as a whole. And one of the students says, you know, Naftali, I think I had the most fun when we were still in high school. In high school, if we were, de we were defining action sports, like still chasing the stoke and the feeling, mm -hmm. right? That freedom that's involved in. And they were like, oh yeah, we don't feel it that same way. It's more of a job now. Like we get up for practice, we do this. And so we were defining the differences between traditional sport, like when those become like a career path or a mm -hmm. job versus like every day we can get up and skate and like feel it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just, those are just like things that we talk about in class, but also like, what is this that's special in action sports? And then that's for people who are marginalized, that's when you find this emancipatory power. Now, yes, I'm using like bigger terms, whatever, but like, this is the truth. Mm -hmm. So, so we have to investigate how people's lives are, are lived constrained so that we can actually recognize freedom. When we get to like the hemorrhage work and we get in this like counterculture versus popular culture, all of that, like, eh, you gotta be real careful. You gotta be real careful because that can come from a lens of what you think is emancipatory, yeah. of what you think is pushing back. And that's in a lot of scholarship that originally started like looking at action sports, like, oh, everything is counterculture. And that can be for anything like, oh, it's cool until it becomes this. Well, what's it like when you're like living poor and don't have anything, yeah, yeah. right? Like, so we have to balance out that critique. And I think sometimes people like toss that critique a little too cavalier, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and now that's My just bad. me. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but not on you, not on you. But like, I just want us to just be aware, like, like as we talk about, right? Like, it is different. I am still like a cis straight black man in America, right? Like my life and experience is different than yours here. It's different for other folks, mm -hmm. right? My life is different than Brianna's, but we have skateboarding as common, mm -hmm. right? Like our new skate study had 20 different skaters from every back background. We had trans skaters. We had like African-American skaters. We had Latinx skaters, female skaters. And I stopped the study halfway through to just go, I just want to see where we're at for a moment. Can someone, can anyone in the Zoom tell me a little bit about someone else's story that they've heard in the Zoom space that we've been working in in a way that you, that you think that maybe they wouldn't know that it resonated with you? Okay, and yeah. so building a bridge between yeah, between yeah. it for us it was COVID, so it's building a bridge between squares and mm -hmm. this feeling that you have right now thinking about it, like how are we going to do this, right? Yeah, wow. So so. I will just tell you that that was magical. And it was magical because we had, you know, queer white women who said, I felt like oppressed in these ways and constrained in these ways, but I do not know what it's like to be chased by the police for mm -hmm. being a skateboarder mm -hmm. and being black and dealing with the police in this way. Like I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. I think about like my own, my own ways in which I'm constrained and I kind of lump everyone in this mm -hmm. spot, but the same thing for, you know, those black skaters who were like saying, this is the life that I lead. And like, oh, I don't know the life of any of the trans skaters mm -hmm. who are here. Mm -hmm. Or for all the skaters, for the person that I would say that they, that was just cruising, that they maybe thought was like not the most core, yeah, yeah. that person was the one who defined skateboarding and what freedom and skateboarding meant better, uh, you know, subjectively, but, but really spoke to that in a way that you just watched everybody's face tear up mm -hmm. 
to go, this is a person who's like just skating back and forth every day and the freedom, the constraint of, of like what their body looks like, who's in charge of them. And, and when they get on that board, what it meant to them, it was like, you know, you just, you don't know other people's lives. So you gotta be good about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they may be experiencing skateboarding as we found out in a very, very deep way that, you know, that you thought you were the deepest. Yeah, yeah. So I always want to kind of like be aware of that. That Maybe your skateboarding is not the skateboarding and, yeah. so, and your experience is not the experience. And, yeah. And it's, but there are similarities and there are important distinctions. We have ways to come together. It's yeah. like the fact that we do all of these four wheels and, and, and the board that, 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 that we get that, that push, you know, and that push goes to everything we do. That's how we push forward on all of our stuff. Maybe to just to answer some of the questions that are no, on no, the no. paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, See, I told you we can't start from that. that we've jumped around question. a lot yeah, and yeah. I want to make sure that, that, yeah. that people understand what it is you're doing. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, sure, sure. So like, sure. can you give us a, a basic rundown of, of what you do, the okay, positions sure. you hold, the course you teach, like maybe go into a little bit Just of a like, bit, yeah. how, you know, you, you came from, as you say, this very particular understanding of skateboarding as a uh, and your background in skateboarding to going to the uh, public diplomacy and all West those Coast, yeah. and then you you've made it into academia. Yeah, but like, how? First of all, the first I told you it was a long story. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, deal. No, it's, like it's a great story. Long, it's but it too jumps long. across too your whole history. Yeah. And what, what's super interesting is I, I wonder like, how do you first of all convince a world which is unconvinced by your thesis yeah. initially yeah. that what you're talking about is even worth funding or even putting into that? Yeah. And second of all where do you now find yourself in terms of what courses do you teach? What positions do you hold? So like yeah. maybe just, uh, just run down. So a brief synopsis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, um, I'm a lecturer at the university of Southern California. Yep. Uh, my PhD is in sociology and particularly I look at race and ethnicity and skateboarding culture. And then my PhD was of course the history, basically the history of skaters of color, mm -hmm. um, from the 1960s to the present day. Perfect. So when we stop and think about that for a minute, that means we literally watch waves of a U.S. human experience and how skateboarding was integrated in that across the decades. So that's what the, my PhD was on, and that will, that's a book that will be coming out with UC Berkeley Press very soon. Um, so, so that's the sort of bit you can go and read yeah, that, right? Amazing. And then um, what I will say is what I learned being at USC, I was lucky enough to do undergrad and my master's there. Um, my my uh, undergrad was in communication, and then my master's degree is in public diplomacy. Mm -hmm. So that's really where the spark came during undergrad, and I, I owe it to Professor Nick Cole. He knows this, so it's fine to say it. <laughs> you know, he's he's an amazing amazing scholar and historian from the UK. He came in the class, and he was really talking to. Our, our undergrad class about cultural diplomacy and the way sports play a role and the way the arts play a role and how do things like what you do here how do those become something that bridges or that builds bridges between disparate people and so in public diplomacy is done in formal ways to encourage that informal relationship building so I, I, I remember that like clear as day he came to visit visit my professor Bob Shears class and that's when I realized I was like, ah, oh, that's what we're doing in skateboarding. That's what we've been doing this whole time. This is what I learned when I was young. And why is this not something that's really being discussed? Mm. Why is skateboarding still being seen in this way when actually the way that I know Brazil is through these skaters, the way that I know the skaters in the UK, like this is the way I know the world. And if public diplomacy is 
building these bridges between communities and sport diplomacy, of course, is a real thing. But, huh, what about something that's at the intersection between cultural diplomacy, educational uh, uh, diplomacy, and cultural diplomacy, and sport all these things all at one time? I was like, huh, skateboarding has been doing all of these. This seems like where I need to go. And so I got my master's in public diplomacy. Um, and in that time, I started working and was the chair of a group called Cuba Skate. So we were doing work with work back and forth in, in Cuba, bringing boards back and forth. Uh, my, shout out to Miles Jackson, the founder. Um, and so it sort of all clicked for me. And during my master's, that's when it was just all coming to, to terms. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know what's missing. This is not being talked about in academia. And they're actually looking for these answers. The world is looking for what we're doing in skateboarding. And I need to slow it down, stop it and create this translation and make this be a space for all of the skaters. First of all, so they don't have to do it, right? Yeah, so that yeah. they can just keep on skating. So yeah. there's, a, there's always this bit where skaters are like, dude, why are you being a big nerd, right? <laughs> right? But so it, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah, that, and, right? That, and, that's, and that's it for me. It really is, is to go like, so it can be easier for us in the next generation of skaters so that you can just skate and then so that people get who we are. And of course, there's an argument that might go like, I don't want anybody to know who I am. I want it to be magical and mystical. Well, it's fine. It's still going to be magical and mystical when you do it. Right. When you do it, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to frame it so that people, I mean, ideally what I want is, you know, my dream is that when people see us push down the road, push down the street, that they go, oh yeah, I get what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Like, like I know that the work that we've done, which I'll elaborate more on, but like all of that work makes it so that skaters maybe get a little less hassled by the police or that people who would normally see them as a nuisance are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You see that whole crew? When was the last time you seen a, seen a crew made up of so many, so many different groups of people, yeah. right? Like, and I know that's happening. I know that that's what's happening. And, and truthfully, uh, there was a piece that was on the front page of the LA Times in December, um, uh, a writer, uh, David Wharton. He asked me questions about skateboarding when he was covering the Olympics. So for those who were like, you know, is the Olympics good, bad, whatever? Hey, he started this line of inquiry during the Olympics. He was covering it like a, you know, sports reporter. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, if you're gonna ask me these questions, you really should be thinking about skateboarding in terms of social change, yeah. right? And as a cultural phenomenon. And so, and he said, well, well, what do you mean? I said, even if we just look at whose bodies are the ones that are skateboarding, right? And it's not requiring this hefty body for football. These, mm -hmm. all bodies can skateboard. In particular, that's when I actually talked to him about even those who we normally would consider disabled bodies, mm -hmm. right? Like anyone who's been skating for a while also knows like, hey, we've had, for, we've had skaters who didn't have the ability and use of their legs for us visible since the 90s. Yeah. And so I'm in talks with like Paralympic groups who are like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. Right. That, that kind of visibility was in skate culture, in old 411s, mm -hmm. right? So not to go down that too much, but to just say, those were some of the conversations we're having and we were looking at who's at the skate park right and who's at the street spots so in both ways he actually went out like a good reporter that he is and investigated he went to jaquan in la and saw that as a space where black and brown bodies were using and taking up space and, and skating jaquan men and men and women and transgender skaters which people were saying that wasn't allowed but I think that 
in that particular argument, I think is 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 depends on how long, how what day you go, right? <laughs> like those who'd been there for a while were actually really like, what? Everybody's skating here, and yeah. he went and was like, seeing it over time, going like, oh no, everybody is here, mm-hmm. right? And then we're also I had him talk to Brianna and had him talk to some of my students who were running who were running queer and female skate meetups. So for him, he was like an outsider, just going like. All right, and if Tally's saying that there's something special in skateboarding, he would call me, you know, all the time, like, what about, how's this different than basketball? Or like, what's different than this in football, in that football, American football and, and proper football, right? Mm-hmm. So we really got at that for a while. And front page of the LA Times, you know, the story is like, does skateboarding, do skateboarders have the answers to what it looks like to build a diverse community, wow. right? And that's like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that's the front page of the LA Times, that's one of my students. And he just got to talk to them and ask them their own experiences. And he saw, he goes, he called me once, he's like, Naftali, there was like a little kid who was at the park and had to skate in, in two instances, which under normal circumstances would be in the way. And older skaters were obviously like good skaters. He said, I saw them, like they wait, patiently they wait patiently for this this right for them to take their turn (laughs) and the kids know like oh wait i can't just sit here all day okay okay i have to move he goes so i'm seeing these patterns where like encouragement is there and he goes and i expected he said i expected like maybe the women would be in this space the guys would be in this space and he said you sit long enough and you see that everyone is talking together but it doesn't have to be that everyone's talking at the same time Mm -hmm. It's that everyone is sort of together and like noticing and seeing where folks are at. And he goes, and I saw tricks happening and I saw encouragement and he goes, and it wasn't just that time, he went back and forth. So when you ask like, well, is this worth it? Like, you know, trying to do skate research or, or trying to put skateboarding in a new position. Yeah, because that's somebody who's an outsider who now gets a chance to talk about our culture from outside in a way that's, that's positive, you know? So you brought up Skate diplo- or sport diplomacy yeah. earlier, um, and I mean, I'm just curious to know: was there like a push or a pull factor? I mean, you're working for like the U.S. government, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. <laughs> they're yeah. seeing skateboarding in this like new lens. We're seeing it completely like used as a tool. But I mean, this was pre-Olympics. Yes, very much so. so. There wasn't so. that whole big. I mean, there's still a commercial edge to it. Mm-hmm. It's like at the forefront of pop culture, but also counterculture. Like what was the main push and pull factor of using skateboarding? Like, did people take you seriously or were they fully like, yeah, this is new, go for it? Uh, no, it's, you know, I fought for all things, for sure. I fought for my space in academia, fighting for my space, but but, I, but I only say that, that not everyone at all times is on board with all things, right? So, um, and uh, sort of to your question, like how do I balance like, working for the US government, which at times does horrible things and does great things. And you know, but that's being a US citizen. So, so, right, so, right, so that's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, (laughs) right, so. as much work as I can on this continent. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So that's also a thing, right? So, so for me, it's like, I guess to what I said earlier is like, the US is still a state of possibilities. And that's what I sort of talked to the taxi driver today too. Right, it's like, she's like, do you like being in the US? Do you like being in Europe better? There's just always still the possibilities, just like on the, I started on the East Coast and I went to the West Coast to find the life I wanted. And I still go home and work on the East Coast too to make sure that those skaters don't have to work as hard as I did, right? But the key is it was still in the US. 
right? So you have some haters and you have some supporters. And so when working with the US government, it's a case of going them open to the idea and getting an understanding of like, okay, well we do sports diplomacy and we do cultural diplomacy. And here's someone who's, you know, majored in public diplomacy. So I will say one of the advantages I had, because I know there's, there's sort of, you know, a lot of people would like to do that job. I'll just, I'll put that there, right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind them. I mean, yeah, 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 fun. like a lot of folks would like to do their job, but I, what I'll say is, you know, I, I it, it wasn't overnight, like I had to, I had to earn that job. Yeah. And that was the deal of like, yes, you can go do this, like, but that's also was like the degree coming into place and understanding that what the role is. Like you're allowed, to, that's the thing about being American. You're allowed to critique America and American culture in all policies. And that's a freedom we have. And so that's also something that I'm very cognizant of, right? Like, like I worked in Cuba first before doing any envoy work. So it's, you know, trying to navigate the way that you talk about the US and, and other countries, but being able to say like the freedom I have is the ability to critique and like decide like what works and what doesn't work. And you, you don't have that everywhere. And when I travel, I very much recognize that sometimes you don't have that in, in every place. But it is, um, to, to get to your, your piece a little deeper, people often ask me like, what is it like when you're working in like socialist state or a communist state, right? Versus, you know, democratic state. How do you talk about skateboarding? We are very lucky because skateboarding allows us to explore all of those ideals. We're both individual, <clears throat> excuse me, and collective. And we're aware of that collectivism, mm -hmm. right? We're aware that you can interpret skateboarding as much as you want in your own individual manner, but you can also have a crew. And like when you're presenting something that's able to do both things, now you've got something special, right? And it's not about for me presenting skateboarding as this, like I'm not telling these, these kids in, in, in different places that I want them to be an athlete. Right, because sports diplomacy is telling you sort of like a little bit more about being an athlete. What's wonderful is to be able to go to these places and work with their educational institutions or cultural institutions and say, actually, I just want your kids to go to school if school's there for them. Mm -hmm. Like, I want them to see skateboarding as a way that I became mm -hmm. a doctor. Well, right? you know from the inside what benefits it's brought you and it's brought the culture and your and the culture you come from. And you want them to, as you said, like see it, someone rolling down the street and say, I know what's going on. I know that this is a positive force instead of what so often and was so often put on the news of skateboarding is not a crime era. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, of like, yes. you know, is it, is it an excellent way of attracting negative attention if you're yeah. a skater in a public space or whatever. And it's very similar to, you know, the projects again that we, that we partner with and mm -hmm. specific, uh, specifically like, um, Skater Stan, which mm -hmm. has completely changed the way that uh, the communities in Afghanistan, for example, would look at skateboarders in and include young girls in that yeah. culture yes, as yes. a nascent activity, as an activity which was not, um, that was kind of unique as opposed to other sports, yes. for example, which would have been, uh, you know, not allowed. It has that certain like malleability yeah. exactly. that you can use to present to like what kind of population do you really think like hey, exactly. let's exactly. try this out. And, this and not having, yeah, yeah, not having to fight the preconceptions mm -hmm. and in fact being able to start anew and to being able to point to, I wonder, do you ever point to those non-Western yes. uh, manifestations of skateboarding and say, hey, look, 
when there are no preconceptions or very few preconceptions about what skateboarding is as a culture based off of its you know west coast roots or whatever yeah. look how much of an amazing impact it makes on the culture as a whole and you know how much i assume cuba was a was a massive yeah thing. yeah so so definitely that in cuba so i i want to add i'll just to 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 frame cuba in particular when we first started working even before i was at cuba skate we'd done a um a research trip to brazil now of course you know in skateboarding brazil has a an amazing skateboarding history in in, in future um, but at that time um, i did an interview for this magazine called epica and so what the way that i was getting them to think about skateboarding was to first say the way that I know Brazil is through the skateboarders that are mm -hmm. there, right? But I also said you could be a real powerhouse in the Southern Hemisphere and as opposed to the U.S. being the hegemon, Brazil could be this because U.S.-Cuba relationships or relations are always strained, but Brazilian relationships in Cuba are not. And so for me, that discussion was, here's a way that Brazil could sort of lead that conversation, be, be, the, the, be the one that's building those bridges. And that wasn't a conversation that had occurred with them before, but then they went and um, um, then they started to interview some of the Brazilian skaters and found out like, oh, these Brazilian skaters had already, like Sandro had already been going to Cuba. And so that was new news for them and a way for them to rethink about skateboarding. But the thing that I always want people to do is reframe the way they think about their kids, their nieces, their nephews, you know, their sons and daughters, um, their gender non-binary family members to be able to say, huh, you've always been doing something special. I just didn't know that's what you were doing. Yeah. And so that, that first mission was really just to like spark that, get that interest going. And there was something that funny that happened. Um, we were meeting with some, some like legislators and heads of state in Sao Paulo. And they were presenting a video that talked about like, this is Sao Paulo and this is the essence of Brazil. And it was like showing all these things, right? And you know, there's about, you know, maybe 10 people representing Sao Paulo. And in the video, they have someone who's playing, he's playing guitar and they're doing an interview with him in the park. And he's like, Brazil is this, Brazil is this. There are two skaters skating the statue behind him during the whole video. <laughs> and I'm just looking at that. And literally they stop the video and go, Naftali, we just want to say we've never seen those two skaters in this entire time. We've played this video hundreds of times for <laughs> wow. folks. We have never seen them in the video. And now because you are talking about who we are in a way that we weren't thinking about, we now see those skaters. And then after that, uh. they were like, hey, have you been to Praca de Aguas? And that's like a spot that was a DIY spot that they're like, all of a sudden, everybody who was in, you know, all those legislators and, and ministerial folks were like, you know what, I've seen skateboarding going on here. And they gave that place to as a DIY spot and you should check out here. So it was like jogging everybody's, you know, latent memories of the way skateboarding was around them, but they didn't have a way to connect it to their own work mm -hmm. and their own interpretations of themselves. So, so like that's like Brazil was like, for me, like the testing point, like going to Brazil and going like, and, and tie in with, with Semprocento uh, and Tulio and all of the, you know, all of the, the skaters there, but going, you're already being ambassadors. We just need the world to understand that you've been doing this heavy lifting and this heavy labor without the support, mm -hmm. right? And so if I can be the one to translate that, so again, it makes other people's lives easier. So that was Brazil, short version, doing that work in Cuba. I mean, you know, Miles will tell you, you should have Miles on too, but like those conversations, it's, it's not easy to work in Cuba, right? Like 
it's not easy for those skaters mm -hmm. and it's not easy to work in that but what was malleable to 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 your phrasing and thinking is you know the cuban government you know tapped us on the shoulder and said hey you know you're kind of not doing things the way that we do things the state shall provide right like that's the deal that's communism right <laughs> and that's great like the mm -hmm. state shall provide like hey that's, that's great yeah but we also recognize like to go and be giving out boards and doing lessons and like building diy things like that's going against the state shall provide and so they are nice enough and have been continued to be good enough to recognize that something special is happening that was not necessarily western u.s mm. right they were going they were able to go like oh these are our kids this is not imperial sport which i'm sure you all have to deal with here at this camera i'm sure you have to deal with that when people are thinking about skateboarding in new contexts like is this an imperial, you know, imperial sport? Is this imperialism being pushed upon me? And in Cuba, they were able to say and go, huh, no, these are our kids. Mm -hmm. It's helping our young people. And then part of that DIY collective, like they're building their own boards, right? Like pressing their own wood, their own graphics, their own things that contribute to the collectivism within yeah. Cuba. And so it's fulfilling a different role there, but it is also providing us a relationship between the US and to, uh, to other nations. But it's a yeah. lesson we've also been taught through con uh, continuous support of various partners and particularly those who build skate park facilities mm -hmm. is that there is the, the, the first wave of skate park building facilities was build a skate park, see what happens. And it's yeah. slowly skate park uh, builders and construction uh, NGOs like Concrete Jungle Foundation, mm -hmm. for example, Wonders Around the World, who are supporting this year, they're able to um, see that we have to go beyond that. That if you leave it there, you don't empower local people to take the culture into their hands and grow it into mm -hmm. their hands. You actually often, you can even sometimes endanger the community yeah. by leaving the space. So what's amazing is through the Educate program or the Planting Seeds uh, program, you have local people the most important becoming factor. leaders in that you know what i mean yeah. and i think also free movement skateboarding also have this as a mm -hmm. we had will on last weekend earlier actually was mm -hmm. previously worked with free movement yeah and um knowing that the uh, the importance of having local always uh, staff always. and to allow people to move up through the program and begin to yeah uh guide their own culture yeah 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 because yeah. people do look at it and see is it is it being pushed upon us or is it being yeah especially when it's i mean it, to be honest in a lot of places especially when it's white faces that are doing this right mm -hmm. like like that's always going to be seen I, and and i can take it out take it out of that context for a minute even building a skate park in los angeles depending on who's the person that is initiating that ideas hey they're like well you know if this person doesn't look like my community but they're telling us that skate that skate parks are good for them mm -hmm. or good for my kids like no i want my kids to play football or i want them to play basketball or i want them to play this thing that i know and that i understand this is easier to do right like i have to have a le leap of faith to allow you in the community and so that is one of the most important parts of what you're all doing with your work is yeah. is making sure that that is it that's is a central part of you know truly being on my academic side but like <laughs> like uh, like that's an integral part of any public diplomacy mission is like how is it sustainable right how yeah. is it how is it recognized how is it taken in and then and then how do you adjust and also how do you not take it personal if if it doesn't take hold how do you not go how do you why aren't you getting it well there may just maybe other factors that are going on you know yeah. and so the artists we work with like incredible people that we meet and they're inspired by the 
the causes that they're involved mm -hmm. in and you don't want to see something which uh, next year doesn't work anymore right, like right. you know it's it's a legacy as well for people who are involved in this in this yeah. activity which is what's so beautiful about it is that you're connecting people from uh from all different walks of life to yes. come together for a single goal or a, or even a goal that fractals and, di and diversifies and becomes multiple different ripples in a society in a society or a community or whatever and i think that's really beautiful as well no no you're 100 percent right and that always goes to the part of like what were you saying earlier for me it's not about skaters becoming athletes it's just for it's a utilitarian tool for transportation and some places <laughs> if it right that is it, right that's the gig that's what it is right like yeah. that's my that's my core foundation we don't need to impose or do anything mm -hmm. it's just like hey if you made it so that people could get to work young people can move old people can get to work or like that if we did that we did something yeah right like that's a win and so that's also like really again good when you're like with skate stand in particular like being able to have this sort of blank slate that at its core it is transportation mm -hmm. it is mobility or and expression yeah yes. yeah. the randomness of it like yeah art, like yeah. art right it's like you can do nothing or you can do or you something can as futile as like a hundred ollies in a day exactly yes, gonna care. yes. or yes. just fall yes. over loads or, yeah and have or, fun or doodle all day like with art right or and yeah. mess up and mess up and mess up but the point is, is that you expressed yourself and that's enough. Like that's yes. what it's about. Yes. You don't have to win gold at the Olympics, which we are now going to talk about. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait, but I want to add to that too. Sorry, that's yeah, go on. No, no, I, and, cause I do, I do want to <laughs> add to that too, is because like, you know, when I was in Cuba, there was a gentleman who was just working at the hotel and he'd seen us do a bunch of skate stuff. And then he was like, Hey, Hey, like how, you know, how do you do that? And I was like, oh, you know, he's probably like maybe in his 50s. And Pop I was like, tail, oh, slide the, yeah. well, well, I was like, <laughs> well, I, you know, I taught him the same way I teach everyone is like, yo, I had him stand on, I stand yeah. on the board and held his hands, you know, two, two grown men holding hands, holding each other up to make this happen. Yeah. And boom, we start rolling down, roll, rolling down the front of the, the, um, the hotel, just back and forth. And just the pure joy on his face of like, yo, I just did something. I just yeah. did something yeah, like yeah. I, I was rolling and like that's it it's like even if it's just mm -hmm. rolling like there that was just him finding out another way to like interface with the yeah. world like There's he no just context rolled. of nothing of any pro skater and no, what, how good no. you can be and how no. or in, you know insignificant that thing it, that you just did but what's amazing is it's not yes it's, it's perfect it's incredibly significant Every yeah emotion and and in that same vein so that was like the utilitarian part however there were moments where I was pushing around, pushing around Cuba and, uh, you know, some older brothers stopped me and they just talked to me. We were talking Spanish for a little bit. And, but the, the core was, they said, you look like freedom. And they're like, and that, and that is like, now remember this is in this particular instance, like, you know, you know, I'm African-American and they're like, obviously these were, these are Afro-Cuban guys who came up to me and were talking about this, but it wasn't just like one, I'm skateboarding. My hair is long. There's a, you know, there's the $5 Cuban haircuts, like, like all of the things that I, the ways I was expressing myself, both in clothes and dress, all this, just to hear that, like, you look like freedom, like that was a, that was a lot, but also like a reminder that, you know, we're only 70 miles apart yeah. and like, those are, it makes the, the mission that miles, uh, you know, uh, that, that miles has done with Cuba skate, like that much important more important that these were people who were not skating they were just witnessing slash seeing it mm. and thinking about that but again they felt that's it not even doing it yeah that's yeah they saw thing. and they were like look at that look at that movement yeah right look at that movement and that's yeah. i mean that's that's uh that's nice but again always being fair 
not saying that there's any you know they're just living in a different living in a different way and that's not putting any judgment calls but that's them saying like them saying it looked like something different yeah and the truth is it is something different yeah you know Wow. So I know you're going to go to the Olympics. I see this coming. <laughs> go, ahead. Well, go ahead. I'm going to give Zelia the... Uh, the um, Can I take a sip? Yeah, yeah, Pause yeah, for yeah. the sip. Take a second for a sip. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, uh, Sorry, I knew this was going to happen, right? Like, that's why we can't start with the, the home life. <laughs> no home life because it's just too deep. The story is just too much stuff. So I'd say we chop start, that We're home done with the therapizing. Now we can yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Zelia, I, I leave you the College Skateboarding Education Foundation scholarship uh, thing. I think that's a nice place to, mm -hmm. to jump into. Yeah, we'll talk about football, but in the American sense. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I will not understand a word. <laughs> ah, that's good. That's great. Um, My wife is in charge of the football for the house, so she can talk to her. Ooh, She's cool. She knows. She, she will set you straight. Dutch, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay, half, half Dutch and American, but you okay, know, she's so from California. we're talking about British soccer? What we're no, we're, she was saying American <laughs> no, football, so I said you need to talk to my wife to straighten you up. She'll tell you all the things because I, I, you know, that's she's the, she's the sports person in the house. <laughs> all right, so we didn't touch on Olympics yet, but we, just to dibble-dabble in it mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, we talked about a little bit your academic career. Um, and you also started the College Skateboarding Educational Foundation, so you're supporting skaters on their way to college. Yeah. College in the U.S. is a completely different story than university yes, here in much. Europe. Um, I mean, you got the students going money. into a lifetime of debt right after. Um, so that's really incredible that you're like supporting financially. Thanks. I mean, I don't know if it's you personally. No, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is, no not as I think it's your fundraising. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, <laughs> shout out. Quick shout out to <laughs> quick shout out to Joe Biden for actually eliminating some student eliminating Ten some student debt today. Grant, yeah, finally. yeah. Like like, we of course need more because school is very 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 expensive, but uh, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And like, if if school was free, we wouldn't need the College Skateboarding Educational Foundation, but it's not free in the US, so um, we need every bit that we can get. So yeah, we're taking baby, painfully small baby steps, yes, but yeah, it's yes. a step still. Yes. But um, yeah, with all of that going on, especially in the aftermath of the Olympics, you probably have school or university administrators coming up to you saying like, how do we get in on this sport? Like, mm, is this as much of a money ball as as we might think it is after seeing it on m millions and millions of TVs worldwide? Like, could could there be national university skateboarding teams? Um, like, could skateboarding even offer a way as a scholarship outside of your organization, mm -hmm. but even just uh, how public institutions might recognize it and say, like, hey, this could fund your way to getting an education. S okay, so that, that's a lot of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break that into separate things. That, but, um, okay, one, I'll just say for College Skateboarding Educational Foundation, um, shout out to Keegan and Thomas and, and the, the rest of the boys, that are at the, the rest of the squad that's over there. Um, that came about from just saying like, hey, the price of college is out of control in the United States. And as a way for us to think about the stereotypes that are attached to skateboarding, right? So this is another tool, another way for us to think about like, hey, the world thinks about skateboarders in this one way. And we know that we are multifaceted because skateboarding may be our identity, but just one part of our lives, right? So starting CSEF was to show skaters that they could go to school and not have to it just be, you're either a pro skater or you go to school. Like to say, no, there's other skaters who've gone to school and you can still have your skate identity. And we want to just show you that we are always a family in skateboarding. 
So that's like that's sort of the impetus to, to get it started. And in the beginning, like, you know, scholarships are small, a thousand dollars, you know, for like, you know, when we initially had the first like 10 grand, you know, a thousand dollars going out to 10 different skaters. But it had it happened in that way. Right. It had to happen before you weren't going to get a scholarship based on you skating and wanting to pursue higher education. But we wanted that to be a way for to kickstart it and to get people to see like, oh, yeah, that's actually something we should be doing. And in in my my work at the university, I always say it sort of works in three different ways. I want young skaters to see that skateboarding can be in academia and be there's a place for them that the university is responsive to them. I want the skateboarding industry to see that they should be building bridges with academia because that's also a place where where we deserve to be there. We deserve to be working with mm -hmm. the, with, uh, we've been building an entire multi-billion dollar industry for decades. Like, of course we deserve to be there. We're, we, we did it on our own, we're right? Every we're film, whenever they want to show uh, a group of like cool people. It's like, come on, it's a cultural icon. Yeah, like it's literally yes. used to delineate that. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's a that's a bridge that we should be building, right? But also getting skateboard like the skateboarding industry to understand that we also want to have young skaters who are going to school to change the face of the skateboarding industry mm -hmm. and skateboarding culture. Because you only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. So the more skaters that we ever going to school or experiencing life across a myriad of different you know different environments, we want all of that in skateboarding. So that goes back to CSEF is like helping seed that right skaters who are artists but also skaters who are neuroscientists so like we're funding all of that so that later on in life when you know it could be something as simple as later on in life people go like oh should there be a skate park built you know in our neighborhood no 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 there should be no skate park built in our neighborhood you find out your next door neighbor who's the neuroscientist that you thought was great was like oh i'm a skater yeah. or i used to skate like of course there should be a skate park this is how I got to this. This is how I got to this position. So in this way, it's like always just moving in a reciprocal manner. And it's always having sort of that conversation. So that's the point of C CSEF to take care of skateboarders and a set of precedents of what taking care of skateboarding and skateboarders looks like. So now there are people like, you know, a lot of a lot of different brands have been now sponsoring us and or sponsoring the crew and working with them. Um, and and matter of fact, Amelia, um, Amir Bradka, pro skater who runs Exposure, the largest um, female and, and uh, women and queer identifying skateboarding contest. Amazing. Yeah, like Amelia, who's <laughs> who's like fantastic. She's been to class number a number of times. Like, they set up a separate scholarship, just just for young young women and um, and gender non-binary folks with CSEF too. So, this is again is a way for us to be thinking about who we are how we can bring in all of our skate identities and all of our other identities in together. So that's like the role of CSEF. Now to the rest of your question. Do people think now the Olympics, we're on Olympics, is there millions of dollars like rain coming from, you know, from the skies? Like, like yeah, maybe sort of, but like most, most folks honestly are like, still like in shock that we were there to begin with. So it's still gotta like permeate. That's the thing, that's the thing that I think is more like, that's 2028. You know, but it is happening in my role in academia. Like before we made it to, um, before we went to the Olympics, you know, I can say this. Uh, I had a talk with a former athletic director, and the athletic director was like, "Oh, skateboarding! Like we don't, we don't do, we don't do skateboarding at the university." And I said, "Oh, but it's going to be an Olympic sport." 
And is this at USC? Yeah, yeah. And I can say this. I mean, yes, it is. I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. And but again, it's the former athletic Just director. It's a pretty big spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yes, pretty it iconic was iconic place to find a team. Yeah, yes. Okay, but see, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to bias anything. So I have to yeah. be very. This is the diplomat in me, right? Yeah, so yeah. like, so at all times, yes, it was that conversation then. That athletic director is no longer there, so it doesn't matter. So there we go. It's back to, to, to normal. Um, but that athletic director, I want you to think about how it shifted. The conversation was, oh, we don't, we don't do skateboarding here. Like, oh, that's not a sport. That's not a, that's not a thing. And this person is in charge of athletic, all sports. However, when I said, oh, this is, uh, yeah, but it's going to be in the Olympics at that time in Tokyo 2020, which I was having that conversation in 2015, the person said, oh, wait. We, wait, whoa, 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 we build Olympians. Now that's a thing that USC is, is, is a claim to fame. So, so yes, I can say that on record, of course, you know, USC builds Olympians. Mm -hmm. And part of the narrative of USC, when you're doing the tour for USC, they say we have more gold medals than, than it, like any country. Like that's like part of actually the narrative of how the school sells itself that this is, we have more combined medals than, than any other place. We are sport excellence. Yeah. But I had to remind the person at sport excellence, like, hey, that's your job, right? Like, yeah. like <laughs> just, just getting you prepped, you know? Like, yeah. you can thank me later, right? So like, so there is that, so yeah, there is that to, change. You're gonna need to take a notice of this, because in a bit, you're gonna be too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so don't, like, don't blow it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, now that, but that was a former athletic director, and I haven't had to talk since, since I've been home yeah. yet, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk more. But it got every, it did get everybody ready. And I can also say USC is amazing. And the reason they were amazing is that I, I can just tell you the truth. They raised me. It's in that space that I saw public diplomacy and that I saw that skate diplomacy could be a thing that I saw that there was the space and the room for our life to be recognized. So I learned that from being there. So, you know, when we say that value in education, I mean, that was the value. I wouldn't be having any of these talks or conversations and seeing that skateboarding was doing something that the world was trying to accomplish in the first place. And then back to, to that question of teams and all of that happening. The answer, short answer is, yeah, all of that will happen over time. Yeah. But those are also, those are systems. The NCAA in the U.S., right? Like that's the Collegiate Athletic Association. Like, like all of that stuff takes time, and it has to be vetted, and and, and that's just like a whole, just a, it's a whole another ball of wax. Now, um, it's happening, and you know, I just had a conversation with um, someone who works works for uh, Sports Illustrated and NFL, and we were talking about historically black colleges in the US, right? That's another thing that's different, right? That's a historically black college is not as different than the unis here, right? So within this institution, they were asking me, well, where is skateboarding fitting? And should we be thinking about that as the next avenue mm -hmm. for, for black athletes? Mm -hmm. And so one of those institutions just added gymnastics for the first time. So gymnastics is everywhere in all these other institutions, but within the historically black universities, like when their first programs just happened, they just had like their second practice the yeah. other day. So like that shows like disparities in ways in which who's allowed to participate in sport and what are those historic narratives? So now that gymnastics was breaking free, well, now that reporter was asking me like, 
should we be thinking about skateboarding in this way? And as a matter of fact, Neftali, I'd like to introduce you to some of the presidents of those schools mm -hmm. because I didn't know that skateboarding had been a place where, where black and brown identities could be celebrated. When we're fighting fights about Colin Kaepernick having a job, now I'm in US context, but like when we're fighting fights about whose bodies we're allowed to celebrate, and like everybody wants to labor from these black and brown bodies. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to know anything about where they came from or the music that they like or the life that they lead, right? Because these are businesses, these are systems. So when I'm introducing in skateboarding, you know, Chris Pastros has said it before, was that if Colin Kaepernick was, you know, protesting and kneeling during the, during the national anthem in the NFL, if that was happening in skateboarding, he would have had the best-selling skateboard. Right, because yeah, we see this as a place of empowerment. We see this yeah. as a place that should always be Country. right. That yeah. is always pushing those envelopes. And so again, why I want us to always be careful when we're flipping about skateboarding, because like, hey, there's empowering things that are happening, yeah. and that are not as opposed to what, as opposed to these other places. So now I'm talking to people from historically black colleges who are like, maybe skateboarding is exactly what we need to do. Maybe we need to have all of our all of our kids stop playing football and have them all become skateboarders. So that's, you know, but that's a long answer to your question. But yes, the future is coming. And I see a lot that's happening, but I also truthfully want to be involved in all those conversations too so that those things don't go awry, mm -hmm. right? Because you, know. you can see certain, like the recent news that members of the US team moved or pushed away yes. from the US team. like. I don't know the context and how it's developed most recently, but do you have thoughts on that as an already a signal of, of something which uh, can raise concern in you? Mm -hmm. Like, And do you think that's part of the fact that skateboarding is uh, not used to being on that global sporting stage and thus has this um, has much less patience for the types of systemic issues that exist in the global sporting stage? I, I would, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, I'll have to cut for there for one second. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. To answer that, um, yes, there was there was a mass mass exodus or sort of exodus that just occurred, and that's three separate questions. So for one of those questions, I will say, um, yes, are skateboarders used to being within like such a big system? No. That you know, that's the short version. Mm -hmm. And as we saw, there's many people who were boycotting skateboarding being in the Olympics in the first place. But I also for that boycott of the Olympics, you have the right to feel however you feel. So, I mean, I'm living a different life than everybody else. So, it's that's opinion, really. Right, right. So, yeah. totally, totally fine. But having worked, if we are a skateboarding family, having worked in skateboarding in multiple contexts, I do understand how I just want to open up the possibility for people to understand that skateboarding operates differently in other places. And sometimes having a sanction, you know, like having a sports structure helps them to think about all sports and all activities so that's just that's just how they how they operate mm -hmm. and so if skaters would like to have a skate park or have some space they have to show that they could be recognized within some system that exists now maybe that doesn't maybe that's not the greatest but like it's the life and the reality that they live under so it's very important in those for skateboarding to be recognized as an olympic sport and truthfully when I was having those conversations in Cuba, that's the reason they also let us operate because they were like, uh, oh, this is a thing we, Cuba's very much in the, in the sport. And so if there's an opportunity, right, right. They rest a little of their historical narrative on yeah. sport. 
And they're very proud of that and they should be proud of that. And so if this is a chance for them to again to my core thing, which is the core caveat for adults to see their young people in a different way and see them as themselves, well then we did something, Amazing, yeah. right? Because now they're like, oh, we're gonna let you do this because this might be an Olympic sport and we want our young people to be celebrated and we want to celebrate them and we did not know how to celebrate them without this because to us it's just sort of this rebel activity and a space where we build, we, if the state shall, shall provide, well, we provide sport because we believe in sport. So there's nothing wrong with that. So sometimes that translation, it needs to occur. So you can have your personal opinions about it, but just like, yes, I hope that everyone recognizes that comes from where, we, where our own privileges are, you know? So, and it's still fine, you can boycott and hate it, right? And also people did sort of resign the other day. So there's, there's a tension in that. I don't problems do we say or do we say something more serious I mean it's like oh. it's yeah it's I, I I I don't know but it's just a super interesting thing to examine because 2024 is coming past yeah. and 2028 and it's it's a it's a fascinating thing to see how that maybe the Olympics has to fit around skateboarding to a degree rather than skateboarding fitting around the Olympics and that's that's a question as it becomes more of a well I want to I, I want to bring this to the table is that hey so folks know they were like, I'm going to put that out there for real. Like, hey, they were. They were trying very much to be very accommodating in a ways that I, I'll just be honest with you, like having known and been involved, like, you know, so many different groups or things that I, I'm involved in. Like, they were. Mm -hmm. They were actually trying. So this is for all skateboarders, for all of our family to know, like, hey, it wasn't just this institution just trying to, like, just grab. They already, from my scholarly, the scholarly spot, they already ran into that with snowboarding. They yeah. did not want people like when when Terhey Hawkinson when 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 snowboarders boycotted the first Olympics like that was a debacle for them, so they didn't want that to happen again. And the most important part of for them was to go, how do we make this go smoothly? And I'll say the first thing that they, that the first thing that we threw up, truthfully, on our side as skaters, is like they were like, oh no, there's no governing body you got. You have you all haven't like at least sorted out who you yeah. kind of want to represent yourselves if this was happening like oh man and it was a big so, issue in many countries of people scrabbling and you have situations yeah where, like, certain people who are representing UK in particular countries. yeah it's, I mean but in the I mean there are some incredible people skateboard GB Lucy yeah. Adams for example just shout out but yeah also then you have like for example other countries where people who are not involved in skateboarding have grabbed it because yes. they were organized and ready and yeah. so it's like there is it's going to be community to community a completely different yes way. and that's what's that's what i want I, I hope that skaters can understand is that like you know just like all the contexts are different and that we are skateboarders and i'll also say this is like it is our job to fight these things mm -hmm. right that is that is the deal so you always want things to be however I, I look at skateboarding as always being a progressive space and when we are not being progressive we are not doing skateboarding Whenever we are locking somebody out or not being inclusive or saying this is this or this, oh, you're not doing skateboarding. You're just doing regular people shit. That's what I. <laughs> Amen. That's, fully agree with that's that. what I see. Fully you just being yeah. you being fully pedestrian. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> woo, don't do this. Not in my. Oh, you can't skate, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I use that as a guiding principle, and and also we should always be taking the stage, like, even in this conversation right now, like, I'm not giving you every answer. I think maybe you might have thought I might have given. Right. Like, we're always. Yeah. It's like always our spot to like seize those moments and do the thing that is the right thing and not let anything off the hook. 
-hmm. but like also recognize context too. So we're not like, I always, it's, it's the thing I tell my students, like also read the room, know the context, fight all of the fights that matter for that moment, for that, for that bit of progress. But like, don't just fight to fight, you know, for nothing. Yeah. Like don't even waste your energy in that. Like be smart and be strategic. So, but to that in the Olympics, like it means different things in different contexts. It means meant a different thing in Brazil. Right. And we saw the repercussions, like the benefits mm -hmm. of, of, of that. Brazil's, you know, when I did my trip, there was different folks in charge. I can say that. Um, so, you know, I always, I also always hope for the best in all the countries that these are, that everyone's operating in. And so I don't know, it's, it's the Olympics. I, as I tell my students, the Olympics operate on a set of ideals. And I would say that to Thomas Bach now, whether or not the Olympics lives up to all of those ideals all the time, thoroughly 100%, they will, will ask them, right? I know that there's a dream of what it's supposed to be, but it doesn't always do that. So we need to fight and hold them accountable. If we're going to take that stage and we're going to be part of this, then we need to just say, hey, you have it right here. Like I literally show my students the Olympic ideals so that they can pull those apart and say, is it this actually seems really great. This seems perfect. Mm -hmm. So like if it's not doing that, well, then it's not doing its job and hold everyone accountable. You're not doing your job. If it's not sustainable, if it's not making gender equity, if it's leaving the world worse than it was before. So skateboarding, I think skateboarding should be standing on those stages all the time because we have the ability to like call those things out and do it in a productive manner. Right. And also, you know, I did it. There's a journal article I just did on on the Olympics. And what I was doing was interviewing skaters of color in the U.S. who are on the team and, and uh, for the 2020 2021 team. When you read that, you'll also see that there's also a different responsibility, particularly for people of color on with the Olympics. And that's that is like, what is it to represent your nation? What, it, what is it to represent? Like, it's not, it's just not the same. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. Like you're carrying historic weight, historic baggage while you're also doing that. So yeah, you're a skateboarder, but like you're not a white middle-class skater who comes mm -hmm. from this, this sense. Like, no, you might be representing a whole bunch of other things, you know, just like Alana Smith with having they, them, they, them on their board, right? Like you're representing these things. You're having this deeper conversation. So like, that's great a great conversation to have and again that falls under the olympic ideals that you should be doing those kinds of things mm. so you know skateboard i feel skateboarding should be on every platform it should be in every art discussion about art it should be in every discussion about social change it should just be ev everywhere because anyone could be a skateboarder so why would why would be we be limiting ourselves because we know something special is going on here so like you can limit yourself if you want to, but you know, again, like if you feel like that, that's cool. You can stay home if you want, yeah, but yeah, some yeah. of us gonna be out <laughs> in the streets, <laughs> you know? I, I, I really like you said in every discussion about art, obviously the skate room really is art, skate, social yes, change. Yes, very much. We've talked so. a lot about skateboarding. We've talked yes. a lot about social change. Where does art fit into your life? Oh, and where yeah. does it fit into your relationship with your, with skateboarding? What you approach this in such an ac academic way, but mm. how much of it really is indescribable is is uh, yeah, expression good. creative oh yeah yeah spirit oh so okay so this is you know i always nerd out so i'm just gonna say it but uh when we were defining action sports as a whole yesterday with my class 
<clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about what's that difference is when that joy and expression, when that is the actual function. Mm -hmm. And so that is the joy or that's what's beautiful in skateboarding. So every aspect of it is that self-expression, except for those moments when it's just utilitarian pushing down the street. But even in that, it's still a joy to push down the street because it's always better than walking. Right, so you've now changed unless that. Unless it's that, uphill. Right, well, unless it's uphill, yeah. But then you need these quads right, That's so I still true. gotta do that Mega too. Legs. Right, yeah. right, right, I gotta do that too. So, but so, so the way art sits for me is like, I want young people to not care about being the best skater. I want them to just see skateboarding as a platform for their artistic expression in whatever that is. If that's them be deciding to become an engineer, if that's for them to, to see it as simply a medium to put their artistic physical expression through or to put their artwork on, that's what makes it special. And that's why I can have a different conversation than I have with sports sociologists and sports, sports, you know, uh, uh, sports academics because they don't have that space. There was only the sport and sport for the platform to talk about social change, but there is not the mode of expression because it's just a jersey. Right. And so and it's, and it's a jersey that's predetermined. Every skateboard has the ability to be its own medium, its own canvas for someone to take charge of every single time. Right. That is that's what's that's what's special. And that's without getting involved in anything else. That's just to go. I like this canvas. I like the shape of this canvas. I like that this canvas is also this utilitarian thing like, whoa, never had a canvas do that before. <laughs> right. So like. That's, this is, that's what's incredible. And that's sort of my, that's how I feel about skateboarding. And then my personal, and my, and my personal bit, like it's given us the ability to put every aspect of our, ourselves into this inanimate object. And so, you know, I look to skaters like Chris Pastris and Stereo and, 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 and just really, I mean, you know, when Blueprint was around, I used to love Blueprint out of the UK, but just, it's given us an ability to, to be ourselves in a way that traditional sport doesn't allow us to do, to let every aspect of ourselves really like bleed into it. And I wouldn't have found photography without skateboarding. And that's like, I mean, you know, I, I don't say often, but I mean, I'm a photographer. That's why I brought all this gear with me on this trip. And I definitely was debating between the iPhone and bringing all my gear, yeah, yeah. right? It was like, oh no, <laughs> I have to bring it all, right? <laughs> right? right? Like, because that that's who i am and i wouldn't you should get a flight that. case man oh yeah yeah that's it that's <laughs> it that's it that's it but like i i get to do this now i i want to add one other part so i have a i have a chapter in a new book that's out um, um that's coming out with smithsonian in november and that is like skateboarding gordon parks and me it's just a little essay that i wrote Gordon Parks, if you don't know, is a very famous African-American photographer whose work is like phenomenal. When you, if you Google it, those who are Googling to figure this out, you'll see you'll know a lot of those photos. So Gordon Parks was amazing and a big inspiration for me because Gordon Parks was a black photographer who chose to shoot everything at a time when people were, were not. First of all, there were very few black photographers um, in traditional print media and then to be able to shoot everything when he was doing the, the, the stories of polio in Brazil, but also shooting, you know, drug kingpins in Chicago and urban life in that way and putting real you know, like faces to that plight, but also just shooting beautiful black life and also shooting, you know, Vogue. 
And so for that is what I got out of why he's such a big inspiration is Gordon was, you know, a whole human being and using the medium to document all of, you know, every bit of humanity. Right. So like documenting social change, documenting the need for civil for social change, shooting during the civil rights movements, shooting se segregation, those images. When you when you all look them up, that's what you're going to see. That is uh, a particular that particular time in history. But he also shot Vogue and also was free to like shoot, you know, beautiful people. Yeah. And, and I, I will say when I was getting my my I got also a degree, lower degree in photography there was always the discussion of like, oh, you should be shooting black life and black plight. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Just because I'm black and have access to these things, like I would like to shoot Vogue too. Yeah. Like wh <laughs> why, why, why is that job somebody else's, right? Like yeah. these, so these, these are the ways in which like you're, where bias and discrimination and like everyday sort of racism and discrimination kick in to like what you should be doing. And Gordon meant so much to me because he did everything. And so that's why I was shooting. So I want to shoot skateboarding, but I also shoot beautiful people and shoot art and shoot in all these manners. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that chapter talks about like, I shot, you know, at that time, a very young Samaria Brevard at one of the, the, the women's at the time superwoman contests. And that for me, like was always I have an eye towards our young folks of color at all times. So, you know, that's just, I wouldn't be that without skateboarding, without knowing that, oh, like, you know, without seeing like, oh, we, we don't just skateboard, like we can do art in all these, all these ways. And it wasn't just black artists who inspired me that way. I mean, we can go back to like OG days with like Neil Blender just doing things, right? So, or Mark, you know, of course, Mark Gonzalez and the paint pens and, and seeing that you could, you could be all things and be a skateboarder. Mm. So like art is an intrinsic part of skateboarding, but also it could just be a medium or canvas and have that meaning too. Long answer, but like, you know, yeah. that's Amazing. what you get. I just got off the plane. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have just got off the plane. Before, before we kind of get into the last questions, because I've completely lost track of time. Oh, it's been yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, so, no, sorry. So maybe, uh, no, no, it's been amazing, <laughs> man. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, is that if you want to ask a bit about Malmo and we can go into that a little oh, bit yeah. before. So, okay, yeah, so, yeah, so, so um, one, I just want to thank, of course, USC, because USC funding, funding the, these trips with my position there. Um, as, as a provost postdoctoral scholar, but also uh, Yale, because I also work at Yale, the Yale Schwarzman Center, and I'm a visiting fellow for race, culture, and community there. So combined, they've both been really interested in, uh, for me, my area of inquiry in this trip is to go, how do we design skate-friendly cities? How do we see skateboarding as a place that can be social change on a number of fronts? Right? How do we make it accessible for everyone to think about skateboarding as a mode of transportation? Right? When the cities are congested, particularly in Los Angeles, like where we're figuring out how do we just do these new modes? Mm. Right? What is an accessible city? So this trip was really focused on meeting up with Gustav from Skate Mamo and yeah, and all of the crews over there. John. For, for context, let's. Oh yes, sir. Say sorry. Gustav is a fish. Is it? Are you? You probably know better than me, but when. I first met Gustav. He is literally the uh, member of parliament for skateboarding. Yes, the equivalent, yes. and yes. ensures that public spaces in Malmo are skatable. And if they aren't skatable, they're not skatable in a friendly way, like you have grass instead of uh, yes. skate spots, things like that, right? Yes, you can very talk much more so. To that. Yeah, no, no. He actually took me on a tour yesterday of all the skate spots that they that they've got built. 
So That's there's incredible. so there's two things that happen, um, or not all the spots, but a lot of the spots. So with Gustav in his role is like he is the representative for the city, for you know, for for the parliament thinking about skateboarding and building accessible spaces. But I, I want to also say shout out to Pontus and the whole crew. Mm -hmm. Gustav, yeah, he Gustav was really great at getting me to understand. Hey, Neftali, this all comes from Malmo being a DIY city, mm. and that and that that's intrinsic to skateboarding culture, right? Bottom building, up. yeah, yeah, building, building, building up what we want to see in the world from not just on board graphics, but what we want to see within the city, and saying like these are city spaces, and I am a citizen, so I'm going to use this, right? Mm. And so, and I'm going to create that. So he also was really good at just explaining to me like the DIY aesthetic which is you know, deep in skateboarding's roots, is very much alive within the city. And that allowed it to become something to be recognized. And I think that that's really important because I, one, I didn't, didn't know that and didn't make that connection. And so that's also good for all skaters to understand is like, how do we elevate our DIY? Mm. How do we become that city representative? How do you get to the point where you're able to fly the ruins of Philadelphia's love park yes. to yeah. your city <laughs> yes. to set it up so that skaters in Malmo can skate the destroyed yes. Philadelphia Love Park. Exactly. Like that yes. to me is an absolutely mind-blowing place that a legendary place in skateboarding yeah. is now in Malmo. Yes. Because yes. of the scene there, DIY being able to inspire that level of, uh, yeah, it's, that's it's madness to me. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's and, and so, so, you know, some, I have my skate hat on sometimes, I have my academic hat yeah, on, yeah. and sometimes I have my diplomat hat on. So from uh, the diplomat side, that's also city diplomacy at its core yeah. like city and cultural diplomacy are like how do we build an exchange how do we get people to think about themselves connected to a, a larger global citizenry so it's like us as skaters but like again tapping into our bits is like no one would want the ledges from philadelphia if they weren't already connected nobody would want those things they would just be junk or only important to sit to citizens of that community mm -hmm. but because we are having this international global language and communication happening through skateboarding culture yeah. it has a cultural value right and that's a cultural value that the city didn't know right but this is this is our job to elevate that conversation so it's not just it's not just that there's this exchange it's that it belongs to us and this is a blueprint for more things that cities should be doing we now actually fit into the repertoire of regular city diplomacy that regularly yeah. sends art back and forth yeah. and so the other part that i looked at that he was doing that was literally when he told me this part i had to get on a plane this was the decision when he was like oh we've been sending our skatable sculptures we've been sending them back and forth to bordeaux and we're also working wow. in toronto and i was like oh that's yeah, it really i literally like galleries yeah. art. it's a really I, amazing thing i, I literally was like, like i said that's it uh, i'm booking my ticket now all of this is important in so many ways to cities and the nation states but to cities and the way they interact with their citizenry mm -hmm. and all of this is the way that we want our young people to think of themselves mm -hmm. This is the same conversation that I would have right now, like with the rest of the, you know, the EU, right? With the European Commission is like, this is the goal is to have everyone feel like to be part of the EU is to think of yourselves 
as a European citizen, but all, you know, I mean, the truth is in this is like, hey, we did monetary policy, but then we got rid of Erasmus, yeah, yeah. right? So like, we want people to think, have a shared currency, but it's more so important they have a shared yeah. identity, which we have in the US as a shared identity amongst the states. They're still, you know, they're still the US. So we want to encourage those things. So we should be funding and supporting all of these endeavors because they do the job that someone with a much higher salary than all of us in this room has. They're looking for those endeavors and skateboarding is doing those things. So mama is ripping. Is <laughs> Sorry. Well, Sorry. and you also got, you've also got people who maybe start skateboarding as a, as a means of expression or a means of mm -hmm. uh, getting themselves into a community who then get into the culture and then they see the endless amounts of videos from, yeah. for example, Philadelphia's Love Park yes. and they think, wow, amazing, but I will never get a chance to skate that yes. because I don't have the means. I don't have the finances or the ability to travel even for a lot yeah. of people. And with this exchange, you're literally bringing the cultural material Artifacts, yeah. to these people and vice versa. And that trading is Ugh. incredible. I mean, to be able to say that you could skate the same. And I, w I do wonder whether the Love Park concrete or what or any of these uh, skateable yeah. structures, which have a legendary status, yeah. will just keep going until they are literally ground down to a, yeah. to a nub. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh that's a beautiful yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful thought to have that much presence within the city yeah. for for so for so long like i saw the pieces like um as he was touring me around that alexis sablone did um and and, and what was there in the plaza and how that's become both the meetup spot but now mm -hmm. the, like part of that dialogue and so of course like you know alexis is from alexis is from new england she's from back home for me so i like i, I love Artist, that architect skate yes yes from mit she's yeah. she's amazing and Part of my work with Yale is Yale is a medium-sized city, just like Malmo is. And so part of my, I'm working with, um, there's there's Elijah Anderson, famous scholar, um, a famous uh, urban sociologist, absolutely incredible work. Um, and then I'm working with Elihu Rubin, and he's the, um, he's the d undergrad director of architecture and design program for Yale. Yes, we can be excited about that. Because <laughs> this is the conversations that he's trying to have about what do we do with the old armory that's in New Haven? These big, big, big structures that were that had a use that would be wonderful places to be skated, mm -hmm. wonderful places of community engagement. And what does that look like, and what can that be? So this trip was really to think about like what does what does yale and what does the new haven community what can they learn from momo what can los angeles learn from momo how can i also as a diplomat between these spaces how do i get this this exchange happening in our cities and how do we let it be beyond just the artifacts i met with um with elihu's class his architecture and design class and this is just the best thing He's introducing me to students, and one of his colleagues, or, or one of the students says, hey, professor, did you know, uh, you know that one of the students was building uh, a skate park? Ready? The skate park is within the building. She was building housing, but like the fourth floor is, oh, wow. uh, is, uh, is a skate park that you can see from, from the ground, from ground level, not to give away too much stuff because she was going to be bringing this out, <laughs> but like yeah. it was just amazing concept and i just i was like no way he said I, I didn't even know she was doing that so we went over and she's like hello <laughs> you know <laughs> and i like i'm literally in tears because it is the building as sculpture 
right? Because that is what she's taking in is like how the bowl is designed so that it is sculpture, so that it is art from the street level, but it is also mm-hmm. functional and it is also housing. That's an architect. Yeah, and that's right. So like, right, 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 right. <laughs> She's an architect, I'm not an architect. So, so, and, and I hadn't seen it in this way where she was like, oh, I'm just solving problems. You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to start crying. You need to come to L.A. And yeah. so she already came to visit in L.A. and like we'll be coming back out. But like, because for me, like in L.A., as opposed to other places, there is no space. There is no space. You have to, but you need as much multi-use space as possible so that is like a dream design that needs to start tomorrow and then also Malmo's already doing this because Mm -hmm. it's already thinking about the city as the space it's like what are the skatable structures what is the role right what is the role of art what is the role of 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 public engagement in mixed use space gustav has a different philosophy which is different than my role um as a member of as a member of the tony hawk foundation slash the skate park project Right, which is thinking about how do we build more skate parks and you know around the world but but in the u.s but is also now thinking how do we use skateboarding as an advocacy tool in numerous ways mm-hmm. how is a skate park how does a skate park become more which they funded our first the first skate study to go this is what's happening at skate parks that the world wants to wants to do so that's wonderful but now we're going okay well how do we expand from that how do we use this as a way to for empowerment for different groups in different ways? How do we how do we mobilize? And how are we the strongest advocacy group that can be out there? So all of this research now touches on every aspect of what I'm doing there. Um, you know, also you know I'm the chair of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, for you know the U.S. Uh, USA skateboarding, um, and so you know I'm thinking about all of these all of these roles like. What does it mean when I'm in my diplomatic role? What does it mean as as a as an educator? What does it mean, you know, as as, as understanding how marginalized groups get power within the city? So yeah. I mean, you carry so all much. these different hats within your role, like especially in the skate community. You're an academic, a diplomat, you're a skater, you're <laughs> a photographer. Like we bring it all together. How does that carry through in the classroom? Like I'm uh, thinking especially of the students that are non-skaters. How does this vision of this global skate community that you were talking about, this vision of bridging the skate mm-hmm. culture to big institutions so that the people that are in these institutions are able to kind of lift the fog, put on the reading glasses and yeah. see like, hey, they're the skaters, that here's what they're doing. Well, the short- Here's how we're oh. already connected. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Well, okay, so the short version, if I ever do anything short, but the short version is that that was the importance of the first skate studies and then our second skate study mattering at the margins so that we actually had the real hard data so that educators and you know um, administrators within academia could go oh this is how what they do translates to our lives and what we do is take care of young people so we should be taking care of them we didn't know that they are also engineers or that they were also thinking in ways that we would like them to think and so that's just like the, the small bit of opening their eyes by having the research that does that the hard mm-hmm. scientists or them to understand that this is part of their job and role and responsibility, changing that. Then for my role in the classroom, um, try not to give too much away from the class, but um, what I do is let them see that skateboarding and action sports culture as a whole as an ecosystem. And I tell them always, this class is not about skateboarding. It's not about action sports. What it is is about understanding how ecosystems work and where everyone is situated 
so that you can use your knowledge of how things, how things are situated, positionalities, so that you can make change within any organization. And I said, when you, and I mean, we just had the first class the other day for this semester. Literally, it is the same talk always. When you leave this class, you will be able to go and be placed anywhere and recognize where the power is, who's doing the job that is, that is desperate for a new idea, and every day they go to work and they're like, man, if I just had a new idea to help do this, or the people who are have new ideas but no access, or those on the top level who are like, we've got to do something big and bold, but they are not connected with the people who are doing grassroots connections. So we use skateboarding culture and action sports culture as an actual lens to look at an entire ecosystem and break it down and go, hmm, this person, I'll just say from my position, oh, Naftali's a photographer, this person's a photographer, they're situated in this space. Here's how they're connecting and doing these things. Are they all, what ways, what opportunities and areas of, or where they could be connected in other ways? What's the other thing they wish they could do? Oh, these are pro skaters who see life through this lens, but they want to like also do more or figure this out. How do we connect all of these people, right? Mm -hmm. So that is always, that's what's special about, I'll say it to the camera, that's what's special about going to school is you have the opportunity to test and pilot these things and it doesn't cost anybody their salary and their life, right? And their livelihood. I know so many people within the skateboarding industry who built those, those spaces by trial and error. And they would all tell you like, yes, it made them stronger, better people, but like it would have been great to go to school and like not waste, you know, over time, cumulatively hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. But we are a new, you know, nascent industry. So everyone did do that, or most people did that. So being in school is a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to like analyze and figure out what's going right and what's going wrong and then apply that. And I mean, that is like, everybody wishes they could do that because we are living life. Mm. This gives you the opportunity to see it. And like, as I say, you put it on the wall and figure out what's going on. I always ask the students like, what's the first role of, of the dean or the president, excuse me, the president of, of your school or any institution? And usually they give me a lot of different answers, but that number one answer usually comes comes at number six or seven because they're like, oh, you got to get money to the donors. You got to build mm -hmm. things. You got to do this. Right. Because that's what life seems like. And then someone will go, oh, professor, they're supposed to take care of us. And you're like, boom. That's right. That's their job is to take care of us. And all those other things are just like those are the number two, three, four, five, six. If they're taking care of us as students they'll get the donors, they'll build the institutions. If they are taking care of our academic life, if they are taking care, if they make sure I'm safe and don't have to worry about being sexually assaulted on campus, they don't have to worry that my identity or my voice is not heard. If they do that, all that other stuff is gonna come. So when you start class that way and they're like, oh, structures, someone's job is to do this. And then you do the rest of it, they start to go like, wow, this action sports, this skateboarding lens really lets us figure out any job, any position anywhere. So again, that was a short version, which was still long, but <laughs> they do look at race, class, gender, but they really, the class is about understanding power and advocacy and what you can do when you're in those spots. You know, I mean, that's a- Amazing, that's I mean, a short, powerful stuff. Well, I, I think- I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it endless amounts of, that we can unpack this? 
which is way too much. I've been, I've just been shown the amount of minutes we've been talking for. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's pretty, yeah. It's, it's nice, too long. It's nice. already too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that uh, Shad Antoine, our founder, wanted to come up and, uh, and, oh, yes. and yes. just speak a little bit. Oh, no. No, no problem. He wants to come <laughs> no up problem. and say thanks and maybe no. to just to give the final of what's on the horizon for, yeah. uh, for you. All, all this knowledge, sharing all this was so inspiring. Oh, no, thank um, you. For understanding if, and for bringing mm. my understanding of the skate culture at a much higher level than it used to be. No, no thank you for inviting me to be here. And I, I know it's very nerdy, but hopefully everybody, everybody really gets like, this is the goals where we're trying to be it done. I have just been thinking the whole way uh, during your talk that the guy that I should have invited here was the mayor of Brussels. We've been fighting for like seven years to get a skate park in town. Yeah. It is even harder than in Afghanistan to get yeah. a land in order to fund a skate park. So you'd the right guy to bring in front of this guy. Oh, well, I would love to. I'd love to. And and I uh, this is what I say in class, too, is just that there are no no's. Like, you, you basically look at things as, like, you have your allies and your adversaries. But your adversaries are only your adversaries until you've triggered enough things for them to recognize that, of course, they are your allies. So to hear, like, oh, we can't do this or we can't get this done, uh, it just means that we have not spoken in the language that they need in order to say yes. Yeah. And that's, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's the truth. They, and it could be someone higher than if that's the mayor of Brussels. And obviously maybe we need to take this up a level because they are, that person always aspires to be someone else. Right. So this, I tell them, again. right, right. That's, that's <laughs> it. Present it a different way. That's it. Like whatever it is, like what do, if they're thinking that skateboarding is one thing, how do we show them that it's something else? Unless they're just very mean, I was gonna go on record. If they're not cool, <laughs> if people are not cool and they're very mean, then that's not skateboarding. Right, right. If they, if they're if they're terrible people, then then I also say to all my class and all the skaters, like, hey, if those people aren't cool, then that's fine. You know that, then you just go above them. Then you can yeah, go above them. He's a cool mayor. All right, so it's a cool mayor. So I'm excited then. I'm very excited. I'm I was very planning excited. to talk to you to talk with you about social entrepreneurship, which is definitely the next level yeah. in where we are we are heading to for next year related to the yeah. 24 to 28 etc um, I mean you're doing amazing work here just the fact that that you're making it skateboarding accessible to so many different groups all over the world and bringing in artists to work with you that might normally not connect with skateboarding culture and you're allowing them to be able to see how their work can mean so much all over the world like that's that's that is another level and it's a it's a, a space that hasn't happened before in that way. So I mean, that's you're crafting and creating your own lane too. Coming so from it's good. Coming means a lot oh, by well, hearing well, this, no, definitely. Well, and I would like to uh, and I would like to emphasize on the fact that it's true. We are bringing artists that are not specially related to that, and it's amazing to realize the the the, the happiness it brings to them. Those artists can stop collaborating with us, and they're yeah. just letting us. Okay, what's next? Where do oh, we do the next beautiful. project, et cetera? You can say it's been confirmed by a doctor. Yes, <laughs> 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 you can. Yeah, also, also true. Also true. <laughs> Neftali, we've yeah. been talking. You've been talking with Oshan. Thank you very much, yes, Oshan. No, thank you. Yeah, for, yes, for, thank for you this so talk. It has been really inspiring uh, for a long time. So I, I propose to continue this talk with a beer, with thank a Belgian beer, with a Belgian uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, event. indeed. Yes. And we should call the mayor. Maybe the mayor wants <laughs> to have a beer. Yeah. That's it. We could he do that. thirsty too. Yes. Yes. We do yes. have many topics to discuss yeah. about social entrepreneurship, yeah. and I'm sure that we will still be connected. Yes. Uh, very much so. Thank yes. Very, very much. No, so of course. Much. Thank, thank, you. Thank, thank you. 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 Th